Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Well, we're jumping right in, both hands and feet, into First and Second Thessalonians. And um, I was asked recently, what's it about? What's First and Second Thessalonians about? What's the theme? What's the idea? And the idea and the theme is this, in my opinion. In view of an imminent return of our Lord Jesus, live with a sense of urgency. Live intentionally. Live with a sense that it could be any moment, and are those in my sphere of influence ready to see him, ready to meet him? And so uh, as, we, as we go through these, these two books of Thessalonians, I hope that um, not only your heart will be challenged and blessed, but you, you, will, you will see the signs that we are in the last days, the signs that God's return is imminent. It could be at any moment, or Jesus' return it could, could be at any moment. And, and are we uh, asking that question, living with a sense of urgency? And um, nobody can answer that but you. You know what urgent looks like for you. You know what complacent looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. And so am I living with a sense of complacency or a sense of urgency? Because I believe that to be true. We'll turn to the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to talk today about, <clears throat> about contagious things, about things that uh, in our life should be seen and noticed and reflected by others. And um, as we're aware of that, it forces us into to movement. It forces us into some kind of action. So let's read these um, several verses together. <clears throat> Or, uh, beginning in verse 2 and down through verse 10 of chapter 1. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and uh, our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but the faith, uh, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what happened when we visited you. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the Son, His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, four things I want us to see about um, living a contagious life. First of all, our efforts aren't in vain. Our efforts aren't in vain. He talks about it in verse 2 and 3. We always thank God for you continually. We remember you before the Father. And look at these phrases that He puts together. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. Work of faith, this labor of love, and endurance by hope. That's a framework for every believer's service to God. If you're looking for a, a global mission statement uh, about every believer's life, now, there, there should be some specific things about your life and about mine based on our giftedness and how God's called us and where he's planted us. But if you're looking for a global mission statement for every believer, here it is. And he, and he lays that out here in verse 2. This work of faith, this labor of love, and this endurance by hope. 
not just in what we do. This isn't just about what we do, but about how we do it. The motives that drive our actions as a believer. The, the reasons for, for, the things, for doing the things we do. Uh, the way we live for Christ. <clears throat> now, it, it, that forces us to examine, is my goal as a believer to, to be known for how I live for him or to make him known? This, these, motive, these three motives go to the fact that my desire, my goal, my, my, my ambition as, as, a, as a follower of Jesus is to make him known. The, the second thing is this. Not only our efforts aren't in vain, our calling is not easy. Look at verses 4 to 6. We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power. This word chosen is set apart, um, called in essence, if you will. Um, and they were convinced of it by how they were converted. They were converted, verse, verse 5 talks about our gospel came to you not with, simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. With power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. Turn, um, if you will, real quickly to 1 Corinthians. I want you to see um, a verse here that kind of parallels that, this, this thought of power at least, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And see in more detail where this comes from, what's motivated, what motivates the power. Verse 18 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. What? This message of the cross. That's where our power is contained. That's where the power comes from is, what is, is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and our application of that blood sacrifice to our lives is where we where we gain the power to live for him. Secondly, he talks about the Holy Spirit being this, this, this thing that moved us to him. The Holy Spirit draws us to, to, to uh, faith in Christ, the scripture says. And thirdly, this conviction, this sense of living with a sense of passion. And over and over and over, more people I'll talk to want to regain, reclaim that zeal, that fire, that sense of passion that they once had in their faith. It may have been as a teenager. It may have been as a young adult. And, and, and folks find themselves in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, and just kind of walking numbly through their faith. Yes, God shows up occasionally. He blesses their heart. He, he, he guides them. He, 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 you know, through a song, through a message, through a book, they'll see him at work in some way in their life. But the sense of passion, the sense of fire, the sense of zeal, the sense of joy has been long gone. Why? We looked at that um, as we looked at in our study in, in, in spiritual warfare, how that's the goal of the enemy, to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he stealing? He's stealing our joy. He's stealing our sense of passion, our sense of, of zeal to follow the Lord. And so in order to reclaim that, I've got to look the enemy in the eye, spit him in the eye and say, no, not today. My joy comes from who I am. It comes from, from my definition of who you say that I am, and, 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 and I'm going to choose to believe that rather than choose to listen to you. Um, and we need the, these three things, this power of the Holy Spirit and conviction. They make an indelible mark on us, on our souls, and we need an indelible mark on our souls. Why? Because he says in verse 6, um, you know how we lived among you for your, for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message, watch this, in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy, Holy Spirit. So why do we need this indelible mark? Because you and I are going to go through suffering as a believer. Why do we need this deep conviction that, that, that we have, our soul has been stirred, that, that redemption has been, been something that's eternal, it's been something that's life-changing, been something that ought to drive some passion in, back into our life? Why do we need that? 
because suffering comes. And when suffering comes, the only thing that sustains you through the midst of the suffering is this knowledge that you've been saved by the power of God. And this knowledge that the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. And this knowledge that the conviction, the stirring, the, the, the passion that I, that I had for that, I can reclaim. It's the Holy Spirit in me that allows me to, to regurgitate that sense of joy, that sense of purpose, that sense of passion that I once had. And, 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 and obviously, as I said a minute, minute ago, beating the enemy. Why is this such an important thing? for us to, to know and be able to, to master living with, with these, three, these three claims that people of faith have and only people of faith have. It's because of this. The deeper things spiritually that you and I go through, experience, and, 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 and come away out of are, are sadly, but I wish it were another way, but sadly seldom experienced apart from suffering. You want to know God in a deeper way. You want to experience him in a deeper way than you have before. You're going to find that in a hard place because you're going to find a, a, a God who is more faithful than you thought he was. You're going to find a God who is more even just in the midst of suffering than you thought he was. You're going to find a God who is more, who is more forgiving than you thought he was. Hard places are where we learn the deeper things of God. I wish it wasn't that way, but in our culture it is. Um, and not only in our culture, in biblical culture it was. You can go through... Individual after individual, Peter, Paul, Job, Abraham, individual after Moses, individual after individual went through some suffering. They went through a hard place. They went through some place of, of questioning their faith, of questioning God. Are you there? Are, can I count on you? Can I depend on you? And we find more things about him in hard places than we do in places when life's clicking, when there's plenty of money, when, 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 the, when the relationships are working, when, when the job's doing great. I wish it weren't that way, but it is. And so because that's true, you and I should not chase and relish suffering, but we shouldn't be threatened by it because knowing that we come out of suffering in a deeper walk with him than when we entered, it's well worth it. If we understand more about him and about his ways, it's well worth it. Deeper things are discovered through difficulty. Thirdly, our efforts aren't in vain and our calling isn't easy, but thirdly, our story is contagious. Verses 7 and 8 speak of that. And you became a model to all believers. Underline the word model. In Macedonia and Achaia, and the Lord's message, underline the word message, rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Um, how is our story contagious? Well, it's when this message, <clears throat> in verse 8, marries the model, in verse 7. When the message marries the model, there is something contagious and powerful about your witness and my witness. Now, Oftentimes, that seldom occurs. The message is out there, or people know that, that we, we go to church, or we're, we're a person of faith, whatever that means. Uh, and we go to church, or, or <clears throat> we're, we're religious people. But when this sense of our modeling Jesus in a culture that's black and cold and dark and needs light and warmth, um, when this sense of modeling the message and, and meshing where the life matches the talk, the walk matches the talk, there's a powerful witness in that. And the witness in that is this, it's so rare in our culture. <clears throat> you want to know why, at least why I think Tim Tebow is such a phenomenon and everybody talks about Tim Tebow all the time and cameras are following him around all the time? It's because the walk matches the talk and they're looking for a fall. This can't be right. This isn't normal. People don't live this sense of radical, with a faith that's this radical to where what they do and what they say meshes all the time. And there's cameras following him all the time. And, and so... 
It was that way when he was in college. It was that way when he was drafted, when he was with the Jets, when he was with the Broncos. He was just released last week from from the New England Patriots, and cameras are still following him around. He's unemployed, and cameras are still following him around to see if he's going to fall. You know why? Because it's so rare that the walk matches the talk in the life of a believer. When that happens, there's a contagiousness to it. People want to really, how are you doing this? How does this work? And, and that's, I think, part of the reason why the, the, the phenom and the, and the paparazzi are around him all the time, not only to see if he fails, but to see how he does it. How does he live this life with a sense of joy in the midst of being released by this team and cut by this team? And, and there's this, you know, is this, you know, this, this kneel of prayer, is that real? I mean, is, that, is he serious about that? Is that? And what they're finding to be true is this is who he is. This is who this guy is. And such a rare witness of, 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 of the walk. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a huge Tim Tebow fan because he played for Florida. I mean, let's face it. Because, but but this, this, this rarity of the walk matching the talk, it's so rare in our culture, even among believers, that our culture stands up and takes notice of those things when they happen. And so that's why, this, this, that's why we need to tell our story over and over and over. Why? Because it's contagious, especially when the message matches the model. It's a contagious, uh, a contagious faith, and, and they've got the match, or there is, there is no story to tell. We can tell a story of how Jesus has changed us, but if there's no change, nobody's going to want in on that. Nobody's going to want to ask any, any other questions or, or go deeper than just tell me about that. Um, if they don't see any change as a result of your, your story. But they're drawn to us and to our God when those two things mesh. When the model matches the message, they're drawn to the God in us they see. And that's, that's why, and, and, and I constantly refer to your witness, your testimony as your story, because it, because it is uniquely yours. And your story will reach somebody in your sphere of influence, somebody in your world. God's placed you where you are, none of us by accident. He's sovereign. He's placed us where we are intentionally. Why? for that story to be told and poured into somebody else's life so that they can see him in us. Fourthly, our reputation is unavoidable. Look in verse 9 and 10. Verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report what happened <clears throat> Excuse me, when we visited you. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. They report, verse 9. They report, this, this, they report that the message matches the model in you. This is their report about you Thessalonian Christians, that, that the message matches the model, and that's rare. And so this report is going out all throughout Macedonia and Achaia, all throughout the surrounding regions of, of where Thessalonica was. <clears throat> and it was a big town. Thessalonica was a big town, kind of a bustling metropolis of a place. And so this Thessalonican church of, 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 of young Christians here was becoming contagious in an area that needed some, some contagious faith. Um, <clears throat> why, is, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> why is this such an important issue, the report, the story about us? Well, it's because our witness speaks louder than anything we can say. It always has, it always will. The witness of a person's faith is, is more readily seen in how they handle adversity is more readily seen in what, how they walk through suffering, is more readily seen in, in, in broken relationships and divorce and job loss and, and health problems. It's more, it's more readily seen in those kinds of things than any other way. Why? Because it's hard then. And people within our sphere of influence are looking in then to see, are we real? Is, that, that's, that's honestly where our reputation is formed, is in those hard places. Um, <clears throat> telling them... 
telling them our story is a powerful thing. Why? Because as we turn, look in verse 9, tell how, they, how you turned to God from idols. This idea of turning is, is synonymous with repentance. As you bring repentance to your life and you bring, your repentance brings attention to your God, that, he says, is the louder witness here. You're, you're bringing glory to him. Um, that's why, and I know this is hard for, for folks, and it's hard for all of us. It's hard for me. That's why suffering shouldn't be kept to ourselves. That's why a hard place in life should never be, we should never seek to isolate that from our, from our family, our friends, our, our sphere of influence, our culture. Why? <clears throat> because as, as I said earlier, that's the louder witness. That's, that speaks a louder voice of what's happening in our lives in the midst of a hard place. And so am I talking about heading out on the, trump, uh, the street corner and trumpeting, I'm just suffering for Jesus out here. I want you to know. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about living with a level of transparency that we're willing to let other people in on our hurt. We're willing to let other people see what's going on in our life. We're willing to, to be exposed at some level to where they see, man, life isn't clicking for them right now. And they're still hanging on to God. They're still hanging. They're still walking with Jesus. They're still trying their best to, to live for him and to stay in his word and to, and to go to church and to, to hang around Christians. And they're, they're doing, their best effort is to try and hang on to their Savior in the midst of a place where most people would walk away from him because he's not coming through for them. It seems that he's abandoned them. It seems that he's not you know, in, in the midst of my hardest place. Where is he to redeem me and restore and, and, and get me out of this mess and rescue me from all of this? And seldom is God's mission rescue. Often God's mission is restore, to restore us through a process of, of refinement that we can only find in a hard place. We can only find in a place of suffering. Well, a miracle is a miracle, is a miracle. <laughs> Regardless of whether your story has dramatic implications to it. Um, you, you, your, your witness, your testimony may be, Something far from I was an axe murderer, I was a serial killer, or I was a drug addict, or I was a murderer. I mean, you know, it may be far from from lacking a whole lot of drama. But I'm going to tell you this: a miracle is a miracle. Why? It's because saving you was miraculous, regardless of whether you were a child, whether you were a teenager, whether you were an adult. Your salvation was a miraculous thing, keeping you something the Holy Spirit does, sealing your soul for eternity is miraculous. Something each of us experience, whether there's drama to it or not, it's a miraculous thing. Protecting you is miraculous. Delivering you is miraculous. We, we each have a miraculous story to tell. Why? Because our own salvation experience, our experience of walking with Jesus, we've experienced, whether we recognize it or not acknowledge it, we've experienced miracle after miracle after miracle, just in salvation alone. And just in the things that the Holy Spirit does without asking Him to alone. We've experienced miracle after miracle after miracle. Now, the more we realize that, and the less we are intimidated by the fact that our testimony, there's no drama there. Nobody wants to hear what I've got to say. They, they, they can hear what you, the miracle in what you've got to say by how you tell them of a changed heart. Here's where I was. I knew I needed Jesus. I was 8 years old. I was 9 years old. I was 15. I was 25. But I knew I needed Jesus. And the miracle is, is that he came in to live in me did what he said he would do in his word, and he came in to, to abide in my heart. Still does. And this, uh, this, we all have a miraculous story to tell is the bottom line. Whether, whether it's 
as I say, whether we trusted Christ as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, through the, through the midst of fire, through the midst, of, through the midst of, of maybe God reclaimed us from something. It doesn't matter your story. Your story is powerful because there's miracles associated with it, regardless of how major or mild, according to drama, you think it, there may be. And so my point is this. Don't allow the enemy to tell you there's nobody listening. Don't allow the enemy to tell you there's nobody interested. Don't allow the enemy to tell you there's nobody in your world that wants to know your story. They do. And they need to. That's why he's placed you there. And you and I have a miraculous story to tell because of it. Secondly, and as we close, I want to leave you with this. We just looked at this in, in, the, in the power here in verses 9 and 10 of our reputation. The, the, the Thessalonican Christians' reputation, was, it was scattered all over the place. Why? Because God was doing some incredible things in their life. We're going to see that as, as this unfolds in chapters 2 and 3 a little more. He was doing some incredible things in them and through them. And consequently, they, they developed a reputation among uh, that region and all throughout Macedonia. So my question today is, we clo- and you, you have one. You and I have reputations, uh, whether we like it or not, whether they're good or bad. But my question to you as we close is this. What are you known for? Not what would you like to be known for? What do you wish you were known for? What are you really known for? What do you think people know you for? What's the first thought that comes to their mind when they mention your name, when your name is mentioned in front of them? What's the first thing that jumps into their mind? What do you think you're known for? Um, well, some days that's kind of a scary question to ask. <laughs> depend on our attitude, depend on our temperament, depend on our surroundings. Our, that's, a, that's a scary question to ask. But that question can and is asked of us every day because we're, if we have a reputation of faith around people in our world, that question is being asked over and over and over and over again. What are you known for? What are you seen? What are you recognized for? Because you're recognized for something. And, man, I hope our lives point people to Jesus. I hope, our, I hope that's, that's, that's the intention by which we live, that we live an intentional life. And, and back up here into verses 2 and 3, he said this labor is a labor of love. Love is the motivation for labor. And, 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 and hope is the motivation for endurance. And, he says, let's get to the motive of why we live this way, why we, why we walk this way, why we choose to be intentional with our faith. Why? Because in verse 10, Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. He's coming again. And, it, and we, we may think life is hard now. We may think this is as hard as it's ever going to get. But there is a wrath coming. There's a judgment coming. And those who know him are going to be spared from that. He's going to rescue. Jesus is going to rescue his own. We're going to look at that a little more as we get into chapter 4, certainly. But um, he is coming again, and because he's coming again, there needs to be a greater sense of urgency with our life. There needs to be a greater sense of intentionality with how we live. We should pursue relationships with different motives than we have before. We should see people as people that Jesus died for, and I need to know, did they know him? I just want to know, did they know him? And if they don't know him, could I be the one that God's placed here for them to see him out of me? Scary thought sometimes in how we live in front of others, the things we say that we'd like to pull back in or attitudes we have from time to time that are less contagious than we'd like for them to be or or the attitudes that are contagious are not what we'd like to be contagious or known for. But we have reputations, each of us do. We need to daily ask ourselves that question, what am I known for today? Break it down to one day. What am I known? What have I been known for today? What have people seen out of my life today? Well, we are contagious whether we like it or not. Um, 
Randy was just telling me earlier today about his poison ivy. And I'm, I like he, I've got to go get a prednisone shot if I get poison ivy because it's all over me and just that quick. And so, and it's a contagious thing. And I realize that. And I, you know, I, 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 I grip it rather, <laughs> rather quickly and try and keep it from being as contagious on me as, as I possibly can. But we have, we're, we're designed to live contagious lives. We're designed for our lives to intersect with other people's lives intentionally, not just accidentally. And the more we realize that and see that and move into that on purpose, the more God can use our story to change someone else. And that's why we're here. That's what suffering's about. That's what trial and hardship's about. That's what coming to know him's about. That's what all these things are about. The more we live intentionally in that regard, the greater our walk with him. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.